I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. On today's podcast, we talk to music manager Reed Martin. He represents Big Frida, Tank and the Bangas, Sweet Crude, and several up-and-coming acts from New Orleans and beyond. We're going to discuss how the New Orleans music industry is dealing with the severe changes caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Some artists, like Frida, have pivoted in a big way, while others are hunkering down and getting creative. All of them need as much support as possible from fans, the community, and the government to survive financially until they can begin performing again in front of crowds. First of all, hey, Reed Martin, thank you for being on our podcast today. Thank you. Appreciate you having me, Rich. Awesome. All right. So can you tell our people about MidCitizen and and about your roster? Sure. MidCitizen is an artist management firm based here in New Orleans, uh, specifically music management. We launched at the beginning of 2018. My partner, Tavia Osby, and I, along with another one of our partners, uh, Max Bonanno, we were part of a collective called Simple Play that was like in a group of independent managers all working under the same brand. And we had other people in the mix doing other things as well, like talent buying and events. And um, anyways, Tavia and I were focused solely on artist management and we um, were working together a lot with each other during those days. So we were doing that from 2015 through the end of 2017 and decided the move would be for us to really combine in a, again, like you wouldn't have known, but like during the Simple Play days, my commissions were actually going to Reed Martin LLC, not to a company. And so right. now it's, uh, we're, everything is truly combined. We um, kind of, we, we took some pay cuts, hired people, and uh, basically staffed up so we could sign more artists. And we manage musicians, our core uh, when we started was heavily focused on managing New Orleans artists. Our most notable New Orleans acts are Tank and the Bangas, Big Frida, Sweet Crude, Naughty Professor. We also do Alexis and the Samurai, Sax Kicks Ave, a lot of great stuff. And in 2018 and then 2019 as well, we uh, started signing acts from out of town. And that's always been a kind of a complaint about the New Orleans music industry in general is that if you're an artist and you're trying to take the leap, you normally have to find management and booking agents and record labels that are based in LA, New York, or Nashville. And from a business community standpoint, the complaint is that those commission dollars leave the state, they leave the city, and they go into to those hubs as well. So the artist is paying their manager, their manager might live in Los Angeles. And that's where that money gets sent. So we're working on reversing that trend. We want to represent left of center, but internationally viable New Orleans talent. But we also are proud of the fact that we are a management company that's based here that is attracting uh, clients from outside of Louisiana and that we're building a business that's able to hire people here, create jobs here and represent artists from all over the world and generate more income for the state of Louisiana that way also. So it's a, it's a dual mission, you know, it's to, it's to foster the talent uh, that exists here in New Orleans, 
but it's also to grow a business and a music industry enterprise in New Orleans that competes with other management companies across the world. That's an admirable goal. Can you explain to people who don't necessarily know what does a music artist manager do if he's doing his job, he or she is doing his job to perfection? Right, right. It's a great question. There's a couple analogies that you could that you could use. If an artist were a restaurant, then they would be the chef and the manager would be the gen- the GM. You know, running the the whole operation, front of house, back of house, and 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 the chef, the artist is the creative brains, and ultimately, you know, if if the chef is the owner of the restaurant, you know, who has the last say, you know. Right. Um, another another analogy would be like if if we're you know, a corporation, then the uh, the artists would be like the the board of directors or the owners, and and us as managers would be the CEO. And under us are the finance department, which in the music industry is called a business manager. Um, you've got your marketing department, which is your record label, you know, and so that you know, or maybe you're doing it yourself and you're hiring out your own radio people, your own press people. Um, you've right. got your legal department, so you've got an attorney. Um, there's there's copyrights that you're looking after. You're trying to book shows, and so you've got a booking agent that's handling that. So you you know, it, again, you are in consultation with the artist, setting the strategy and the direction for for the artist's career. And um, incoming work tends to flow through the manager, and the manager delegates it out to the rest of the team that that. That works on that artist, but you know, if it's uh, early in an artist's career and they, let's say, they don't have an agent yet or they don't have a record right. deal yet, then it's your job as a manager to wear all of those hats until you find somebody to to bring onto the team. You know, and, and every time you build out the artist team, there's a new person in the mix that's that's making money off the artist, and so right. the goal is that you are bringing in new team members that are. You know, if it's a booking agent, booking agents take 10% of the gigs that they book. So the idea there is that by getting an agent, they've got more connections to festivals and, and they know how to play that game better to increase um, not only your money in the short term, but then also help you build a strategy that in the long run is going to make you more money. So you're happy to pay the 10% to the booking agent. On top right. of the, the, the commission, the percentage that you're paying to your manager too, you know? Same same is true for a record record label. You know, that's the that's the harder one to, to really decide if you want to stay independent or go with a deal. But many times um, a record label is gonna pump a lot of money into your career in exchange for either ownership or a significant interest in the in your sound recordings that they're financing. They are essentially venture capital in the music industry. And so they are high risk, high reward investors. Uh, they may, you know, a, a record label might, you know, spend $100,000 each on 10 different artists and only two right. of those pay off, you know, and actually make their investment back, which is oftentimes why the terms in a record contract are pretty onerous on the artist. The thing is, a lot of artists don't have the hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is that they need to launch their career, so right. they'll they'll agree to those terms. Um, and additionally, you know, hopefully, what the label is doing is not only being a bank and a and a, a source of capital, but they're also providing marketing expertise. So hopefully, they have in-house radio people, in-house people that work uh, streaming outlets like Apple and Spotify. 
right. it's publicists, et cetera, et cetera, that are actively marketing your recordings because they're trying to make their money back, obviously, as well. And they're they're right. working on building economies of scale by having a ton of recordings and a staff that works all of those recordings. So here you are. You've got this impressive roster with Tank and the Bangers and Sweet Crude and Big Frida and all these folks. What was your plan for these guys for 2020? Yeah, we had big plans for everybody. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for Sweet Crude, you know, we still went ahead and put out their debut major label album, which came out on Verve this year. Um, and, you know, and that was a hard call to make because they were set up with, uh, they were second to close on the Gentilly stage this year uh, at Jazz right. Fest. You know, it was the biggest slot they've ever gotten. Um, and, um, and then they were booked at Bonnaroo on a really good slot. They had a lot of good festivals teed up for this summer behind their album release. And, you know, um, and, and so it's, you know, that was their plan. Um, Frida, we, again, we released a new EP on March 10th, March 13th, somewhere in there. I got to go back and look. But it was literally, we were in New York. Perfectly timed. Yeah, we were, we were in New York doing press, and we had to cut the trip short. Uh, we did we did Wendy Williams on our last day. We did a performance on Wendy, and there was no studio okay. audience. Yeah, it's, it was like, it was when that was all going down. So um, it was it was wild. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we had we had big years teed up for everybody, and it all kind of came crashing down. Is it shows, you know, touring, the release yeah. and the promotion? Besides those things, what, like what other stuff are you doing to help build these guys? What, what are you doing on the digital side? Yeah, well, okay, yes. So before this, um, we're being based in New Orleans. We are a very live-centric uh, city and also company. You know, uh, the way I see the music business is through a, a live music lens, Um you know, and, and that's that's just because that's what we are all about here in New Orleans. We're all about that experience. Um, and so that, that had always been my approach. Like, I'd rather work with a band or an artist that's incredible live that may not have figured out how to quite capture that on a, on a recorded product yet. But, like, I'd rather have that and then figure out how to make a great record than somebody that's making a great recording but is just uncharismatic or just doesn't have it in a live setting um which in, in other places you know is there are places like los angeles and nashville which focus a lot more on the recorded side first and then build out things from there there's no right or wrong way to do it but point is my company is one that is very much based on touring and based on signing acts that 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 make their bones on the road and so it hit us really hard and it has forced us to rethink about how we approach the music business. It's obviously forced everybody, but look, I've got friends that manage songwriters and producers and that sort of thing. And they're obviously they're not hit as hard because people are still streaming music right now. Um, we sit um, closer to the live music side, but we sit in between like the the other pillars of the music industry that are like the bigger ones that you hear about a lot are booking agencies and record labels and then there's also management firms but record labels are being hit but not to nearly the extent that booking agencies are being hit they're the ones that are really taking it and those and that's you know they are they're the ones that make all of their money booking live events essentially right. um 
And, you know, and that, that doesn't talk about, you know, venues and everything else. There are, again, a ton of aspects. But so strictly on the people that sit at a desk, you know, and, and, and work, the, the agents are the ones that are getting hit hard. So if a restaurant had to pivot by switching to takeout and family meals, how have your artists pivoted most successfully? Uh, Frida has basically done exactly that. <laughs> We're <Okay>. cooking. <laughs> um, you know, it's so it's been it's depending on the artist and their appetite for uh, pivoting has been, you know, has guided our decisions. So I'll start with Big Frida. Um, with Frida, we've always like dabbled in the cooking world. And like, okay. um, you know, like we've done festivals, like one time Frida played Buku Fest and then we also had our own catering tent out there. So fans would walk okay. by like, wait, that's Frida? And we'd be cooking too, you know? And that's like when we were doing the reality shows. So there was, you know, there's a lot of fun tie-ins. So like, like Frida has always been a fool in the kitchen. Um, but it's just, we, we didn't have a chance to do anything about it until now when we can't play live. So, okay. you know, with a lot of our artists, we started live streaming performances right at the beginning. And it was very rudimentary, like just going live on Facebook and Instagram. And we and Frida was the same. So we'd do performances. But the things that caught on was when we were just, Frida was in the kitchen and cooking. And the fans were loving it. And so we established a Patreon, which is a subscription-based model, right? To where if you're a fan of this concept, you can do $5, 15 or 50 bucks a month. And at different levels, you get different rewards. But essentially, it's, an, it's a digital cookbook. We're putting up the recipes as we go. Anytime we go live, you know, we're putting those up. And it's certainly not replacing live music revenue, but it's something. And then what we tried, what we're doing now is we've taken that and turned it into a proper broadcast on Thursday nights at City Park, where we're selling real tickets. You know, we do up to 48 as long as the weather's cooperating with us. We can do 48 people socially distanced in the botanical gardens. And we're selling tickets for uh, for 75, we, I think we just bumped them up to 80 bucks a person. So it's actually a ticketed event. We have a merch booth and you get a three course meal and a free cocktail. And we've got now Rouse's, Red Bull, and Tabasco is coming on this week as a sponsor. Uh, I've got a call with Abita next week and, and uh, had a call with Community Coffee last week and just trying to add people to it, you know, so it's not like these are big sponsorships or anything like that, um, but we're just trying to get, we're trying to build something here. So we're still, we're, it's a multi-camera shoot. It's like a cooking show meets restaurant meets, I don't know what, but yeah. <laughs> and Frida's like the executive chef of this thing? Uh, yeah, so Fr Frida cooks. So Frida goes, there's a, there's a kitchen across the street from Neo's in Mid-City. That, that Neo's owns. It's like a banquet hall. So on Thursdays, which is today, I'll be heading there later today, Frida goes and cooks the entire meal and we put it in hot boxes. We take it over to City Park and Frida sits down for hair and makeup and gets up and, and so doors open at seven o'clock and Frida tends to arrive around seven o'clock with the food and we, we have a kitchen, another kitchen in back of City Park okay. at the Botanical Gardens. Frida gets into hair and makeup and uh, and then goes out and does a meet and greet with all the guests with a mask on, of course, and um, and then yeah, and then there's a cocktail hour, and then at eight o'clock the broadcast begins, and we have uh, it's a five camera shoot, and it's live on Frida's YouTube and Facebook. Then we've got graphics. This week we're d introducing yeah. a twerk contest, you know. <laughs> so it's a, it's a real TV show, you know. We get we get 150,000 viewers a week um, on average. 
And what, what's the crowd that comes to the event? It's, uh, well, it's New Orleans and it's all over the map, you know? Um, but we, we're sold out in perpetuity. So we're sold out through the end of August. We're about to announce September dates and, and just do every Thursday in September. I expect those will sell out before September gets here. Um, and again, yeah, this is, this is a real pivot. Now, again, I have to stress that this is not nearly the kind of money that we make when we're on the road and that, that we're used to sustaining this entire operation. So, you know, we're making less money as a management company. Frida's making less money, which means less money for hair and makeup, for dancers, um, for other team members, you know, that Frida employs. But it is a, you know, we hope that, that this is something that can, that we can keep doing when we're not on tour, even after the pandemic, you know, so. What are your other acts doing besides cooking? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) We've got this rock and roll band from Philly called Low Cut Connie that we manage. And they've had another um, similar round of success. They have a a live stream uh, concert that was running every Thursday and Saturdays. And now it's it's still every Thursday and Saturday, but it's only public on Saturday now. Um, But it's... uh, it was called Live from South Philly, and then like seven episodes in, we changed it to Tough Cookies because the lead singer of the band was always like, you know, y'all are some tough cookies or whatever. But it is, it, I I promise you, it's legitimately the most entertaining live music live stream going right now because you know so many of these popped up at the beginning, and it's a dude in the on their guitar or something like that singing to the camera. This is. Again, it's just two people. It's it's the lead singer Adam at his piano and his guitar player Will. But I mean, it is it's remarkable. It it truly is and like we've built this real tight-knit community around it. Everybody calls themselves Tough Cookies. We've got Tough Cookies branded merch. We started we also started a Patreon around it. So there's private meet and greets and private shows within that Patreon. Um the, and on the actual show, it's turned into a bit of a variety show. We've had Tank and Frida be guests to where Adam will interview them or play songs with them. But we just had Dion from, you know, Run Around Sue and the Wanderer Dion. He's still alive. He was just yeah. a guest. Uh, Drew Carey's going to be a guest soon, you know. So How do you do all the production side of doing remote guests and things on these broadcasts? Zoom. Yeah, yeah, we recorded on Zoom, but um, oh, you do it in advance and then broadcast. Is that what you do? Exactly. Yep. So, so this that particular show was live, but there are a couple segments, the the interview especially, which will plug in as like a pre-recorded segment, and then it'll go back to then it'll go back to the performance aspect. So it sounds like using uh, live streaming and then Patreon is a way to get people to monetize it. It's been not a replacement by any stretch, but it's been one smart thing for y'all to do to keep momentum going too. Exactly. To keep, to keep like, especially with this band Low Cut Connie and this, and this live stream that they're doing, like there was an article on live streaming that came out yesterday uh, by Rolling Stone. It was the big like industry wide piece where they interview heavy hitters, like, you know, I don't know, superstars about like what they're doing and major companies about what, how they're seeing the landscape shift. It was, you know, it was like a, a business to business piece, like what you're doing here. And the first three paragraphs were all about low cut Connie, you know, uh, the wash. Yeah. The Washington post has covered them. Like there's, yeah, there's, uh, all things considered on NPR did a whole segment on them too, you know? So it's, um, it's an interesting, interesting segment, but, um, 
But yeah, look, that is the live stream plus Patreon is is a thing that we've also done with Sweet Crude, who also got a great All Things Considered um, episode as well um, when they released their album. But um, yeah, it's a uh, it's there's there's been a lot around that that we've tried to do. You may have already answered this question, but what would you say is is your has been the best use of time and energy for your artists during the pandemic? Learning new skills. There are artists that are that we manage that are staying afloat right now by the skin of their teeth, and those are the ones that are having the most success. But you know, it the like Sweet Crude, for example, has become like incredible at not at live streaming themselves, but then like they're the ones that are running Frida's live stream from the garden. And, you know, you know, it's like they've gotten all this extra technology and this know-how from doing it themselves that they're also able to partner and, and find new life, like work just helping out in different ways. Is that a gig for them basically? Like that's a paid job? Yeah, yeah. They're the production <laughs> staff for the suite. That's great. That's so smart. Yeah, and, uh, but, but, but because of that then, like, it's also enabled them to record, you know, they'll be able to do their own music videos now, you know, for way cheaper, if not for free. Whereas in the past, you might hire out those vendors, but now we have that gear ourselves. Um, we've got, you know, more, we've got, the, we've figured out how to use our audio equipment better, you know? And so it is, it's been a thing of, of learning how to, you know, develop new skills. I mean, <laughs> to, you know, like if you can't go out and tour, what else are you, um, how do you pivot? So again, like in the, in, in Frida's case, it's like now we've always talked about making a cookbook, for example, but now we're, Frida's having to learn all these recipes or remember all these recipes from childhood or whatever it is. And, and we're writing everything down. And it's like, by the time the end of this year comes, we've got everything we need for a cookbook, you know? So okay. it's, the, that has been the best use of time. You know, it has just been, it, but it's been, you know, it's hard when you make all of your money, uh, typically, or, or a lot of it, um, based on large groups of people getting together. You said something a minute ago, you're talking about uh, how you, you focus more on the, the live experience. And I realized that, you know, some, some artists might be a great songwriter, but maybe they're not as great at building a community at a show. Somebody might be super technically savvy, um, everyone's got their different strengths and weaknesses. It seems like the pandemic's going to reward people who are creative and also very comfortable and skilled at using technology to to reach people. Yes. Yeah. A hundred percent. hundred percent. And it's going to reward people, um, again, that are able to that able to lean into it and embrace how they can... Uh, reach more people with technology again. So like to, to go back to like for, for Frida. So one thing, the next step that we're trying to do is, um, take the same concept that we're doing with cooking and when it's appropriate, you know, we're talking to the city, we're talking also to city park cause they do have a stage in their botanical gardens as well. Um, you know, if we can, set something up where we're selling socially distanced tickets. So like you spray paint, you know, like soccer field style, like a big circle and, and that's circle one and over here, circle two and over here, circle three. And depending on how close it is to the stage is how much you sell it for. And you can do sell it by, by four people or whatever. Like 
you four people are in circle one, you can't leave unless you go to the bathroom, you know, and you've got security making sure people stay socially distant. Um, so in those instances, you can't sell that many tickets, you know, like even if we're outside on a big lawn, we might be able to sell a hundred tickets at best, right? Whereas like even inside at a small club, you can do at least 200, but you were, we're used to selling a thousand tickets. But point is, uh, you do that, you, you, you sell to people in the real world. Hopefully there's merch or other things that you can sell on site to, 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 uh, upcharge people. And, um, but then, so let's say those real world tickets are 35 bucks or 30 bucks because there's only so many to go around. So you price them a little bit higher, but then you live stream it, but you sell that stream for $10 to get in. What's the mechanics of selling the stream? You have to, instead of just putting it on Facebook, you have to do it through a paid platform. Yes, yes, and there's tons of those that are popping up. What's the so, best one? What's your favorite one that you guys use? Well, there's a company in town called Stage It. I mean, they're not based in town. They've got, they now have staff in New Orleans that are working with venues, and they're paying, or rather, they're going and installing cameras at these venues for free. So, again, like, they want to try and help the venues make money now and just pay back those cameras over time. But to me, the, the real model here, the real play for venues is to figure out like how you can sell a live stream experience for people that may want to see it, but they can't get a babysitter that night. Or, you know, this man or woman's 70 years old, so they only go to concerts so much, but they love this artist and they'd love to pay to live stream it, you know, instead of going to a show. And, and if you start having, again, you'll never replace that energy that you get in person. So people will still buy tickets, but what if you, again, like, you know, tickets to, uh, you know, whatever show at House of Blues are $25, but you could also, for $10, pay and stream it. And, and venues are able to make a little bit more money and artists, you know, that way. And so, again, I want to try and do that on our own terms first, but I think that that is a, if I was a venue, that's that's what I would be looking towards right now in terms of trying to figure out ways to, to, to be more profitable after the pandemic's over. Well, it's good you mentioned the venues because my last question is to think about how it's not just the artists, it's, it's the venues, it's the labels, it's, it's all the different pieces of this eco- ecosystem. What's your projection for where we're going to go and how people are going to fare over the next you know, couple of quarters? Yeah, I can only speak for where we are. Um, you know, we are doing everything in our power between trying to generate revenue to qualify for whatever government money we can to figure out ways to make it to the other side that is only that is like our sole focus um you know the it is it's different for different sectors of the industry venues are in particular in such a tight spot because you've got rent or mortgages attached to those and they're not cheap um and that's a that's a really really tough situation to be in um you know so i do some of those venues won't make it to the other side frankly i'm i'm a part of one i started gasa gasa with a few other people in town and we're hoping to have it sold by next week you know we've we've been on the market for only a couple weeks we got a bunch of buyers we're we've got I, you know, odds are that, that we'll be sold in, in a week or two, you know? And so that means hopefully Gossip Gossip will still make it to the other side. 
It's just it won't be under the same ownership. And I think that's going to happen with with a lot. When this stuff does come back, you know, I, I am optimistic. I really do think for anyone that is able to make it to the other side, there will be a lot of opportunity. Tank and the Bangas did a drive-in concert about a month ago, and it was the first one in the series that happened over at the UNO Lakefront Arena. Okay. And I just remember going there that day and being like so... I don't know what was going on with me that day, but I was really lethargic and was just like, ah, man, like my partners have it covered. I don't even need to be there necessarily. Like, but I'm just like, I need to go. I need to see what a drive-in concert looks like in person. And then I'm there and I knew this, but like, I felt so good once I was actually in the presence of live music. And it was, I, you just, I just forgot like what medicine it is. Like truly like, there is something so innate about being human and being a part of that figurative drum circle, if you will, you know, that there's something about us that needs to be out singing songs as a community together. Like that is so uniquely human that goes back to when we started speaking, you know, and you just, it's, it helped me uh, put, my work in perspective and and know that it does, you know, like, again, when you work in entertainment, obviously somebody that's out teaching kids or is an EMT or whatever, like they're doing some real concrete noble work. And, and it's nice to remember your connection to humanity and what you're helping provide other people as well. And like, I really felt it in that moment of knowing like, wow, this is, this matters. And, and I cannot wait for this to be over and for, uh, for human beings to actually be able to, to dance and sing together. Reed Martin, thank you for being a guest. No problem, Rich. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.